I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right. This is episode 164 of The Big Douglas Show. And today we have an even more famous Doug and a Super Bowl winner. Doug Williams is our guest today. Doug, how are you? I'm good. And you? Doing very well. Doing very well. I could, could be better, though. I mean, it ain't a great money. It could be better. <laughs> it could it be went, better. went a lot better. But you know what? It's 16 more to go. Uh, Doug, it's interesting. That was one of the first things I thought of. As a player, you've spent all this time working for game one. Half the league's going to be feeling great after week one. Half the league, not so great. As a player, what are you trying to say to yourself right now after a week that didn't go exactly how you hoped for? Well, you know, if you're a player, the first thing you do, you, you run all the plays back in your head as to what went wrong. I think that's the number one thing. And you, you, you almost have to say, you know what, that's that extra game that they put on us anyway. That's 17 games. We got a 16 game schedule left. And you you trying to figure out a way how to get by those games. But that one is over. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You watch you watch the tape and find out what you did wrong, what you can do better, and, and go from there. Now, that's what I was going to ask you. In, in the college game, every game counts. If you lose mm-hmm. one, you're done. But in the NFL, it's especially with the extra game, it's, it's almost like it's, it's different quarters, different phases of the season. So, you know, do do as a player, do you say, okay, we got, you know, we didn't start off how we wanted. We got that out the way. Let's get in gear. Let's get to it. We, we got to be rolling by the second quarter of the season. Well, you know, you look at it that it doesn't count. 17 games, it does count when you look at it realistically because that's right. how they're going to count it. You, you, you hope that you didn't lose any of them. But uh, at the end of the day, the season's still young. And uh, you can't do anything about the one that got away from you. But this one truly got away from us. We had opportunities that, um, you know, we didn't take advantage of. But you can't afford to let that happen uh, three or four times this year. You know, you got to find a way to win these games. And, uh, you know, last year we won the conference. It was a 7-9 record. But this year, I think it has to be a lot better than that. And, and I think that's what you say to yourself. That one got away, but we can't afford to let the rest of them get away from us. And the offense for the Chargers was rolling. That young quarterback they got over there looks like the real deal. Um, what do you do when a quarterback gets hot? Because he was hot the other day. Well, and you know, was putting balls in places that, you know, they were just there. What do you do about it? I think you just hit the nail on the head. When you look at the throws that he made and how they were thrown, they was all back shoulder fades. And, and and you know, the back shoulder fades is something hard to defend. When you're covering a guy and, and, and you're running side by side with him and all of a sudden the ball is behind you and the receiver turn, it's hard to defend that. And and I think that's what happened. You got a young quarterback. I mean, he has a great arm, and he took advantage of his arm. And his receivers, they knew exactly what he was going to do. That's something that they've been working on during the offseason, during the season. Because you just can't go out there and make that throw and, and think you can get away with it. He, he made it perfect. Made it perfect. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, you know, we, we have a situation in Washington now where we're, you know, I know you guys are trying to figure out exactly, you know, what's going on with, with Fitz. 
Um, as a former quarterback in the NFL, how like how do you feel when you see the team really trying to get one guy in there for a full slate of games? Like, does it is it one of them things where you feel like, oh man, if you know, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, you know, if I was out there, you know, I'd be slinging that peel around or is it just one of them things, like, do you pay attention to that position more closely than you do others? Uh, I do, but but at the same time, you got to watch them all. But but I think every team would like to be solidified with the quarterback. You know, you want, you want that guy that you know week in and week out that's going to show up. And uh, the worst thing you want to do is get into a situation where, you know, you in for this series, you in for that series, or you in for this player, what have you. It happens. You know, they're doing it out in uh, San Francisco. And I saw the Chicago did it uh, Monday, last night a, a little bit itself. But uh, you don't want to get into that. And then, you know, if your guy get hurt, like, you know, we lost Fitz. You know, you, you got all your confidence in Fitzpatrick. And then he's hurt. I don't know. I don't know how bad or whether or not he's going to be out or what have you. But, you know, you got, got to have somebody on, on the team that can come in and do the job, hope they can do the job. Uh, one way or the other, and I think that's that's where we are at this point, um, and we're just going to see what happens. Yeah, it's at least four games. I guess they put Fitz on IR this morning yeah. with the uh, with the hip deal. Uh, have you had one of those hip deals, Doug? What, what what is that like? You know, no, I, you know, I never I never had a situation like that, and um, you know, I'm sure Fitzpatrick um, know exactly what it's like. You know, at this stage, you get a hip injury. That's a that's, that's that's a significant injury. And, um, you know, the reason why I put him on uh, IR, you got to have bring somebody in to take his spot because he's going to be out for the next four to five weeks. So, you know, I've had one of those, don't know what it feel like. But I'm sure Fitzpatrick been around long enough to know that if he could play, he would play. Uh, evidently, he can't play. And, you know, we just got to deal with that. Now, have you ever been in a situation as a quarterback where you had to come into a game after the game has already started, obviously, and and you had to come in and play? Like, ha- have you ever been in that in that position? Because it, it it feels like uh, Taylor Heineke when he comes in in that position. I mean, he comes in and it, it, it's like a spark plug, you know, a jitterbug all over the field, and it and it's a different kind of excitement when when other times it the backup quarterback comes in is normally not that same feeling. So have you ever been in that position yourself? In a lot of situations, a lot of, a lot of fans like the backup quarterback better than they do the starter quarterback. <laughs> so when that happened, it happened. Yes, I have. I mean, back in 1987, I was in that position and uh, came off, the, came in the game, you know, three games, but we, and we won all three games when I came in and, and, and took over four, four actually. But, but yeah, everybody liked the starting quarterback, but I think, the difference here is, you know, for myself, I come from places I've always been a starter. And I've, I never had the backup mentality. I've always had a starter mentality. So when you come in a game, yeah, you're coming in to spell somebody, but it ain't about you mentally. You got to have that mental, mental mentality that I'm a starter. And I just had to be sitting over there waiting on my opportunity. So if Teller's in that position now, he got to look at himself as a starter right now. He can't look at it as I'm the backup quarterback because at the end of the day, when you come out that dugout, they're going to hand you the ball. So it started, it started with you. So you are the starter. So mentally, that's how you got to 
that's how you got to think because you're not going to get that credit for being a backup when you start in the game. There has been talk all around with the quarterbacks, particularly now that Fitzpatrick went down for Cam Newton. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But what I am curious to hear from you about is a lot of people have said don't bring in a guy like Cam because the other side of the coin you're just talking about there is can he be a backup in a role like that? Are certain guys, you know, to your point, not able to do that? How do you look at it that way? Well, I think it I think it boils down to the individual. You know, if, if that's how one is thinking, that's that's how one is. You know, I mean, when I came in, I didn't have a problem being a being a backup at that particular time because nobody had called me and gave me that opportunity to play anywhere else. So I mean, yeah, I was a backup knowing that there might be an opportunity. Now I don't know how Cam or anybody else might be thinking, but that's their thoughts. But at the same time, nobody here, I don't think. You know, as mentioned, bring them in, number one. So you can't. I think the fans and everybody else, the media probably is on that hype. Why didn't they bring him in or what have you? Um, you know, I can't answer that. But that's something that, that he has to feel whether or not he can be a backup or not. I, I can't say that he would. Can't say that he will. That he will. You know, don't, don't really know what his thinking is. Doug, as a quarterback, an African-American quarterback that has reached the pinnacle, won the Super Bowl. How does it feel watching these young guys, especially like yesterday, Patrick Mahomes, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Jameis Winston, um, so many more like all Russell Wilson, all these guys have such tremendous success in the league when when you were playing, it wasn't it was you, it was more moon, it was uh uh Randall Cunningham, like it wasn't it wasn't a lot uh of African American quarterbacks. So how does it feel now watching all of these young guys have tremendous success in the league? You know, I, I can answer that, but I, but I hate to sound like, you know, it only feel good because the black quarterback is doing well. You know, <laughs> right. it's a pleasure watching Tom Brady play too. Now. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. And I was, I was kind of uh, disappointed the way Evan Rogers played yesterday. Cause you know, I'm an Evan Rogers fan and a Tom Brady fan, but sure. I'm a Russell Wilson fan. I'm a James Winston uh, Tyrod Taylor, Patrick McHome, and 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 everybody that played well yesterday. You know, I, I like watching guys play well, no matter what color they are. But you know, seeing the young black quarterbacks play well does give me a little joy because I know what it took for them to get there. You know, how long it take for um, you know the African American quarterback to be really, really accepted from that standpoint. You know, I think when we get to that point. You know, we this league would be a lot better. Like, uh, let's let's pick Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's been good from birth. So no matter what color he is, he, he's been that guy. Russell Wilson. You know, nobody gave him a chance. Third round pick. He was short. We don't know what he can do, but he did it, and, and he's still been doing it for a long time. So yeah, I, I do feel good when I see guys like Jameis got a second chance, and I think he's in a great place. Played well yesterday. Yeah, I do pull for him, but uh, at the same time, you know, I get my popcorn and, and cold drink, too, and pop, prop my feet up to watch uh, Tom Brady play, too, when I get a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you see, the offense in the league has exploded. Uh, this team in Washington built defense first. Are we to the point now where it's, it's overly tough to win with defense? 
can, can you still win that way? Or is it just make life too tough on you to try to win defensive showdowns like we did yesterday? Uh, I, I, I think you can win if your offense, now, if, you, if you don't have the offense to go with it from a shootout standpoint, that's a different ball game. You know, I, I saw where uh, Arizona, you know, played well, scored some points, but I also know the defense played well too. You know, Chandler Jones had five sacks. So, you know, that makes a difference when your defense is playing well and your offense is playing well and you're giving them more opportunities to play well. Uh, we That didn't happen to us yesterday. You know, we didn't get the ball back. We got no turnovers. We got one turnover, but at the end of the day, we didn't give the offense the ball to see could they work it as much as you would like to. And that's what I'm expecting from defense is to create turnovers and make sure our offense had the ball more than their offense does. Coming into the season, what side of the ball typically clicks first? I know people always say defense, 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 but as a former player, in your opinion, what side of the ball typically jails faster to start the season off? Is it the offensive side or the defensive side? Well, that's, that's a tough one because it all depends on the team. You know, you you say it offensive, defense, but you look like at, at yesterday's game, take Kansas City, you know, 33 points. They they still rolling. You, you take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their offense, and their defense didn't play as well as you thought they would have played the other night, but the offense was rolling. So it can be either side of the ball. It all depends on the game plan and who you're playing and, and how the other team plays. With the short passing game, does it make it too tough on these defensive lines? You know, I mean, you, we built this defensive line, and it's nasty, there's no doubt. But is it too easy in the modern systems to just short pass you out of those great defenses? How do you work against fixing that? Because that, that's it, right? I mean, as a quarterback, you just say, hey, no problem. I'll dig and dunk you down the field. I think what happened to, to our defense uh, Sunday was the fact that, uh, yeah, yesterday was the fact that they got the ball out their hand quick. And and when when you game planning a team, don't don't think San Diego did not know that uh, our front four was pretty good, and they realized that if you sit back there thinking you're gonna wait till something come open, that we might be in trouble. Their whole game plan was to get the ball out your hand. Um, Tampa last year, when when Brady went there, Brady threw an interception, got sacked, and and they started they changed that thing, man, maybe get it out of his hand a little quicker, and that happens. That's the best defense against a good defensive line is to get it out your hand. But at the same time, your receivers got to be good enough to get open. And and if they can do that, you can make it happen. You can stymie the pass rush because you can get it out your hand quicker. Speaking of wide receivers, Doug, can you can you speak about Terry McLaurin, um, third-round pick? You know, uh, the, the talk when he was coming out was he would be a great special teams guy. Uh, they weren't really talking about his ability as a wide receiver. And can you just speak on the growth and maturation of Terry and, you know, that, that awesome catch he had yesterday. I don't know how he caught that ball yesterday, <laughs> but just, just his growth and maturation as a player and a receiver and, and what y'all saw in him to, to, to make y'all believe that he was more than just a special teams player coming out of college. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, his maturation, I mean, he's been like that. He's, he's matured beyond his age, to be honest with you. But we looked at him as a, a tough, special team type of player, maybe third or fourth receiver. 
And I think what Terry did came here and, and, and showed us that I'm more than a special team player. And he has done that. Like you say, that catch yesterday, I'm still trying to figure out how did he catch that ball? I, I don't know. I don't have an idea, but he caught it. But he's been like that since he's been here. He's made the tough catch. And and I think that speaks volume to who he is and what he realized who he was. You know, he didn't come here as a special team player. He came here as a player. I want to be your number one guy. I'm your receiver. And he's proved that. Yeah, one of my first favorite memories of, of you is the, the Super Bowl. But I was also thinking, you know, you have coached at a high level. You sat up in the front office. You've done scouting, player evaluation. What is the hardest of the three jobs? Well, number one, I think, is, is evaluation and picking players to come in to play. Because, I mean, if you played, there's a reason why you played. Somebody picked you and they made a great choice for you to come play. But but I think it's, 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 it's evaluation and, and putting a team together and because there's so many facets that goes into it. You know, it's not just the player, but uh, also the character of that guy and whether or not he'll be a good teammate and whether or not they're they jailed together. So it's, it's a lot goes into the picking that player compared to the player himself. You know, so I, th- I would say from that standpoint. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, this is something you have done in your, in your career, uh, went back to coach at Grambling. Um what what is it like for you seeing these former prominent NFL players going back to not only coach but to coach at HBCUs? Uh, what what does that mean for them kids or them young men, and for them universities and for HBCUs as a whole? Well, well, let me say this. You know, I went back way before the guys Eddie George and Dion go back now. You know, and uh, it wasn't all that fanfare and all that when I went back, but that's 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 neither here nor there. You know, we was fortunate, we were successful, we won three straight championships. You know, Dion is Dion. Dion been been who he is for since he was birthed. I'm I'm sure. I remember when he was a rookie, he, it wasn't jury, it was Drew Ray. That's what he wore around his neck, Drew Ray. But uh, I have to say that that he's brought some visibility to historical black colleges, uh, and Eddie George has too. And uh, he's done a good job of recruiting players there. Um, but but as far as them NFL players that didn't play at HBCUs or, or wasn't around HBCU, um, I don't think that make a difference. I think it's the coach himself. Dion wanted to coach, and so it pays off. But there's it, a lot of good coaches out there that have coached at HBCU, that are still coaching at HBCU, that want to coach at HBCU, that – you know, we need to give them some credit, too, because they, they've done a good job uh, long before these guys got in there. But you can't take anything away from what Dion has done. I think Eddie George got a little ways to go to catch up with Dion. Uh, and you've got the Hall of Fame jacket on. They've also teamed up with the Reese's Senior Bowl, right, to get a little more shine and exposure to the uh, to the kids playing at the HBCUs. How did that come about, do you know? Well, you know what, uh, and that, it's funny that you say that. They they, they will have the combine down in, in in Mobile during the Senior Bowl time, but they're also the Black College Football Hall of Fame, which I'm a part of. We also have a Black College Football All Star Game, the Legacy Bowl, and that's going to get those guys, you know, these top guys in uh, the Circle Black Colleges, another look. Uh, we'll be in New Orleans in, in, in February the 19th. 
and um, you know, try to the top 100 black college players will have an opportunity to play in that game, which would give the scouts an opportunity just to come watch those guys play. And you know, the thing about guys from HBCUs, um, you know, they've always been tough to grade from from the scout standpoint. Now you got a chance to grade the player and not the school. So you look at the player and don't grade the school. So you, you might have a whole different opinion um, from that standpoint, just looking at the player. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, I know that the, uh, that the Washington football team is uh, planning something special on Thursday for Bobby Mitchell. I was hoping you'd talk to us just a little bit about Bobby Mitchell, the man, and also what, what the organization's got coming up on Thursday. Wow, Bobby Mitchell, man. When you when you say Bobby Mitchell and uh, and have an opportunity to play for the team that gave Bobby Mitchell the opportunity to play, uh, I think that means something to you, you know. Because when I first got here in '86, and and walking into the building, and you realize that Bobby Mitchell was the assistant, assistant. I mean, it's almost hard to, to tell, but he was assistant GM. And you walk in something that you never seen before, and he's assistant GM, black guy. And I had an opportunity every day. You know, I would go in early every day, and and then you know go downstairs and come up and sit in Bobby Mitchell's office, and we just talked, man. He was talking about his career in college, you know, where Illinois. But what a lot of people don't know, Bobby Mitchell started out at Grambling. And and he told me, you know, we talked about it a lot. He told me, he said, man, when I went to Gremlin, you know, they had a bunch of Bobby Mitchells at Gremlin. So he left and transferred and went to Illinois. But during the time that he was here, we talked about so many times. And for me, he was the one guy that kept me uplifted. You know, when, when I wasn't a starter and, you know, things got a little tough when I did start, you know, and went back to be the backup. It was Bobby Mitchell where you go and sit down in his office and he's the one that assured you the thing was going to work out. And uh, lo and behold, it did work out. So, you know, when you, when you talk about Bobby Mitchell to me and a lot of other guys that played uh, on this team when he was the assistant general manager, um, they got a lot of good things to say about Bobby Mitchell. And I'm glad that this organization, you know, Mr. Snyder and, and Tanya and, and Jason, everybody, uh, realize the impact that Bobby Mitchell has made not only on his organization, but uh, in this community. Um, I think he will forever be remembered in this community as, as one of the good guys. And to be able to retire his jersey, you know, the first jersey that they actually really, really retired is Bobby Mitchell. And I, and I think that's something that should be done. And I'm looking forward to that night. Thursday night and, and going out there and, and, and really seeing Bobby Mitchell's jersey is put out a commission for the rest of this team organization time that is here, you know, and he deserve it. And his wife, Gwen, you know, I'm glad somebody's here to to see it happen. And Gwen is going to be there with his, with his family. And that, to me, that is, that is huge. Uh, something that you really you know, came really fashion that that is happening, and you're just glad that it is. Uh, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your words on Bobby Mitchell. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of players that look at you the same way. Um, 
thank you for your time this afternoon and, and, and you know, hope we get a W this week. Uh, hey, we all need that W. <laughs> it makes for a great Monday. I'll yes, it does. Friday. Let me say this. It makes for a great Friday this week. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. Yes, indeed. Thank you, John. We appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Douglas. Yes. I am so sorry that I showed up on screen when I oh, entered. It, po- it popped up for a second and no problem. Is it possible to edit that out? I do not want to get I'll, into I'll, I'll try to edit it out. Okay. I was going to say, like, if you guys wanted to, like, ask Doug another question or, like, re-record that question. It's um, fine. Are you sure? Yes. I yeah, just feel fine. absolutely terrible. Yeah, I no, it's okay. was certain I had my controls right. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, well, will you let me know when this runs? Because we can't wait to see it. Yeah, it'll be out later today. Later today. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I no, apologize again. No, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.